Today on episode number 799 of CXO Talk, we're discussing enterprise AI, the leadership lessons. We're speaking with Sunil Senan, head of data analytics and AI for Infosys. I've been with the company for uh, over 22 years, working with customers on their digital and AI-led transformation journeys who are the industry leaders uh, you know, across the globe. Tell us about your role. You have a, a really interesting title, Global Head of Data Analytics and AI. I work very closely with our clients, uh, CXOs, uh, uh, and really you know, helping them understand uh, how they can look at uh, uh, data and AI for their transformation uh, and really sift through you know, all the hype to then convert this into a meaningful blueprint uh, that delivers value, right? That delivers on the promise of data and AI, not just for their enterprise, but also for the society that they touch in, uh, and also, you know, really creating uh, what we call data economy uh, around the enterprises, which is a very meaningful way in which you can create value for all stakeholders uh, and bring in a network of entities and partners, uh, citizens and consumers together to then create net new value. Uh, and that's something that data and AI holds for nations, societies, and, and communities. Sunil, so you're speaking with so many different companies of varying sizes. What do people tell you about AI? Everybody is curious. Everybody is interested in AI. Everybody knows they have to do something. But can you, with a broad brushstroke, describe the general state of the market uh, as you're seeing it? This is the conversation and then the uh, in the boardrooms uh, that our customers you know are having uh, clearly there is a you know a very very uh, heightened interest uh, in learning about AI and what it means for enterprises uh, but I think the key questions that our customers have is how do I translate the potential of AI for my business? Uh, and, and, you know, uh, how I can reimagine my business, how I can reimagine my business models, uh, what it means for my products and services, what it means for my customers and other stakeholders uh, whom I serve. Uh, and most importantly, how do I go about it, right? Um, you know, there isn't a, a big bang approach to, to AI. Uh, and it's uh, something that touches the roots of the organization uh, there are cultural aspects of things, there are processes, uh, and obviously there is impact on people that needs to be well understood and articulated uh, for how it will amplify the potential for people uh, you know, within the organization and outside. But how do you translate this really into an execution blueprint so that you can deliver on, on the value that uh, data and AI promise for the organization? So these are you know, some of the key questions. And I would say there are more questions than answers in their mind. And that's why they are reaching out to us and we are engaging them on, on figuring this uh, for them as well as the industry in which uh, they operate. You made an interesting comment just now. You said that there is no big bang approach to AI. And for folks who may be younger that have not been through large ERP projects. In quick summary, Big Bang means do it all at once, take the company live as one huge, expensive, long project. And you're saying, Sunil, that AI is different. Can you elaborate on that? 
we live in a world where there is a continuous delivery of new capabilities that allows uh, not only the enterprise to learn as to how to operate uh, newer systems such as these, but also the the users, the customers, the consumers to to really embrace that. And and there is a continuous feedback that then uh, makes this system evolve. But if I if I have to break it down into two or three elements as to why AI systems are like this compared to you know the the ERPs and others that you spoke about. First, there is a clear uh, adoption you know, uh, problem, right? Which is uh, the trust deficit in terms of what AI systems would tell you versus what the tribal knowledge is. I think it takes a certain experience, uh, you know, both for the AI systems as well as for the uh, humans who are interacting or using such systems to then build, uh, you know, the trust uh, and the uh, way of utilizing such capabilities for amplifying the potential, getting that productivity that is needed, making that impact, on the business and the and the customers, uh, but underlying problems are also that of data quality. Uh, how do you govern such systems? How do you make sure that uh, the system is operating on ethical considerations uh, that are very important for the society, uh, and also making that larger impact, uh, converting uh, this AI effort into something that can deliver uh, good for the society and for you know, everyone uh, who's going to interact with it. I think it takes certain uh, amount of maturity uh, in order for these systems to be tuned and really looking at, you know, how this is working with the ecosystem. Uh, and then you put this at scale, which is very, very important. Uh, you know, you can't get the value out of these systems by only limiting it to small POCs or, or experimentations that are important to get started. But I think the end goal is to then uh, scale it uh, at the enterprise level, and that is why the journey goes through the quick iterations, and you know what we call agile digital is to then uh, take this to business functions, uh, operate it at an ecosystem level, and so on. With these large traditional software projects, they were highly technology based, but still they had impact across the company. If you were doing an ERP system, for example. With these AI systems, there still is impact across the company, as you were just describing, but it's very different. So how are these AI systems different from traditional enterprise software? The enterprise softwares gave a new way of, or an automated way of executing, right? Which is how you could run a process at a global scale. Uh, you could standardize a process, even though there were specific customizations for how individual regions needed to cater to local compliance laws and so on. But the idea was to bring uh, an automated uh, system uh, and you know industrialization and standardization of that process. What we are talking about uh, in terms of AI is to bring uh, the cognitive capabilities into a system that would interact with humans and, and uh, you know the other systems at large, uh, and this has to learn from the data that exists uh, in the ecosystem and within the enterprise. Uh, and as you can imagine, uh, if you have a bias, let's say existing in the existing data, uh, AI would amplify that, and that's something that would completely distort at minimum and give out inaccurate decisions, but also it would then not be fair, 
it's not going to be free it's not something that uh, would drive you know or or even meet the uh, ethical considerations with which um, we all operate uh, and hence the ai systems need to uh, be governed and need to be looked at uh, differently from that full automation journey to then say uh, how am i tuning this what business problems am i solving uh, and am i solving it in the ways that are acceptable uh, to the enterprise standards and also to the societal standards would it be correct to say that with these ai projects that they have they retain the elements of traditional software but now you have these layers that did not exist before such as learning from the data as you were just describing at some level i think it goes beyond that uh, michael in my view um, when you uh, start to look into the trust deficit aspect of things and how do you bridge that trust between ai systems and the tribal knowledge uh you know the the story starts to diverge uh from that of erps and other rollouts that we've done but there's also an aspect of culture uh you know the the culture of data the culture of insights driven or data driven uh decision making uh is a journey uh and you know as as you would imagine in large enterprises it is not only an individual who has to get on to a system like this and really understand how to work with the system but it's also the groups of people uh, teams not necessarily in one department but also cutting across other departments and often times even across other companies uh, and how do you bring an ecosystem to that level of understanding and uh, you know having that expertise to say how you leverage data and ai uh, and and solve problems together is is where you know this journey starts to diverge and and look at how the adoption and the utility of ai for different business functions uh, you know would emerge uh, the other thing is you know most of what we're going to do in ai is to reimagine the model you're going to see things that we have not seen before uh, and in that sense it's a great opportunity for organizations to differentiate to create that discontinuous growth uh, potential uh and also create new models etc but on the other hand it's also something that needs to be uh imagined uh tested experimented and then put into place and hence you know pivoting ai on what it means for business solving problems is where the starting point is uh ai cannot be done for the sake of ai uh it's not a system that you're looking to put in place because that's the system that's your end goal end goal is essentially driving transformation for business getting that outcome that uh, you know the the enterprise is envisaging uh, not for itself or not only for itself but also for uh, you know the the entities that it interacts with and the and the stakeholders that it is serving please subscribe to our youtube channel hit the subscribe button it's at the bottom of our website check out cxotalk.com we really have great shows coming up and we have a very interesting question from Arsalan Khan. Arsalan is a regular listener. He asks wonderful questions and thank you Arsalan for that. And he says, when thinking about the ethics in AI, are there ethical standards that organizations can follow? If not, then who decides what is eth- ethical? How do you make sure that your competitors' AI is ethical, that they're not cheating and putting yourself at a disadvantage. 
Any thoughts on this? It's a really thorny, it's a thorny topic. You can see this as an evolution uh, of standards and regulations that, that you have begun to see, but there's also more that are going to come in. But the uh, uh, you know, ground level, if you distill it down to two or three things that uh, you know, uh, companies can uh, look at, one is you, know, you have standards around privacy, for example, and it's a very, very important consideration to see how you build that relationship with with your consumers and and partners and employees, um, you know who uh, will have uh, their stakes into the data that you're processing. Uh, really making sure that you have the uh, permissions or the consents uh, necessary for you to uh, utilize that data or store the data or process it for the purpose uh, that you're stating and for how long you want to do that is is known and it's something that has been defined and many regulations, both within the states as well as uh, across uh, Europe and other uh, geographies, even though there is more that's, that's coming in on that uh, you know, aspect as well. Most corporates operate with values and standards that they're known for, uh, and that's a good guardrail as well. Uh, most organizations and successful ones uh, at that have looked at the societal values and you know how they have created more value for everybody, uh, not only their own consumers, but also others who operate in the societies in which they operate. Uh, those guardrails apply to AI as well. Uh, and that's something that's known. Most importantly, I think it is also to anticipate and see what kind of you know, regulations you're going to see in the industry uh, you know, uh, around uh, the impact of AI on people uh, in ways that uh, you know, would benefit them if done right, but could also create negative impact uh, in, the, in the society. Anticipating some of those, preparing for that journey and making sure that you're doing the right things from that aspect would put you on the right side of the laws and regulations when they do come into effect. And we know that they will. Uh, and I think those organizations and enterprises would find success far more uh, than, than the ones who don't. Uh, and I think uh, beyond this, uh, there are companies that are working together to lay down ethical standards that can be referred to. We are working uh, on, on uh, you know, some of these as well. Uh, we do help our customers adopt uh, some of these processes and, and standards uh, as we build those systems. How do you take care of biases, for example? There are ways to do this, and we do in, incorporate those frameworks uh, into every project and every uh, AI-driven initiative that we take up for, for our customers. Marketing, for example, is one of the uh, most common area where AI has been applied. Uh, and we have, you know, without exception, always held uh, trust, ethics, privacy, compliance, and security standards to each one of those are, uh, of our projects. And those customers have gone about benefiting from the uh, use of AI uh, and share that value with the consumers that, uh, that they serve. So, there are you know, frameworks that uh, you could uh, adopt uh, while uh, working on the AI projects. I have another great question from Twitter. This is from Kayla Aragonis. And Kayla says, what are the biggest opportunities that you predict AI will yield for enterprises, Sunil? For the enterprises, it's going to drive, uh, in our view, uh, three theaters of value creation. Uh, you know, AI is going to accelerate growth uh, for for enterprises. Uh, this is by way of identifying newer markets, newer segments, newer needs uh, that they can serve, 
or serve those needs in a different way, which is far more uh, valuable for, for customers or to even figure their play uh, in the industry or across industry value chains. Uh, you know, one of the things that uh, uh, we always, uh, you know, discuss with our customers and, and guide them on is that the physical products don't transcend industry boundary. But when you think about data, uh, it does. Uh, and that means uh, a tremendous opportunity and potential for looking at newer ways to create these new data-driven, AI-driven products and services. Uh, you know, you could be a medical device manufacturer, for example, one of our clients, uh, and using data that the medical devices, in this particular case, for diabetes, they were able to really uh, help the, the other parts of the value chain that interacts with those very patients. Uh, it could be, you know, hospitals, which are in the same value chain, and how do you uh, turn the uh, the bane of the industry, which is post facto, that you know if anything that happens is post facto the the sugar event, uh, and using data and AI to predict those events, you could then turn this into a pre facto, which is you know really working proactively to help uh, the well being of uh, those diabetes patients, but also going across uh, other parts of the industries that touch diabetes patients could be you know consumer products. On one side, the physical lifestyle uh, products that can increase the activity levels of uh, these very patients. And we all know that has an impact. The food industry, uh, you know, is, is a big recipient of all this uh, data and how you could use this for stitching an ecosystem that improves not only the well-being for these patients, but also in general for, for society. So, you know, figuring accelerated growth is one big theater of value creation. Unlock efficiencies at scale. Uh, you know, you could now uh, really push those economic frontiers to do things uh, at costs that are far lesser uh, if done right, uh, and uh, drive more efficiencies into your uh, operation processes in your field. Uh, you know, operations and and you know uh, how you uh, operate your business uh, globally. But most importantly, also building connected ecosystems, uh, you know, the, the kind that I was talking about, both in the medical device uh, industry, as well as in general, where you are creating an economy uh, around you through new data and AI-driven products and new business models is a tremendous opportunity. And the network effects of such uh, data and AI, uh, you know, product services can create immense value, unprecedented value uh, in the industry. And this is what we have uh, you know, uh, embraced in our Infosys Topaz, uh, you know, offering that, uh, you know, we launched. It's a, it's a services brand that brings together all of what we have to offer uh, as Infosys and the network of partners that we have stitched together, the solution investments that we're making to help drive on these three objectives um, for, for our customers. Given the differences between AI projects and traditional enterprise software projects that you were describing earlier, what are the conditions that need to be in place in order to get started in the right way? In other words, what are the factors at the beginning that will drive downstream success? AI should not be done for the sake of AI. Uh, and what that essentially means is to envisage and envision what AI means for the business and the industry in which you know the company operates. Uh, really thinking about the fundamentals of uh, what makes uh, AI successful to deliver those objectives is the very next thing. You know, data, is it uh, in place? Is it accessible? Is it available? 
does it have the quality that you could trust in? And if there are specific AI projects on the horizon, you could even start to look into whether this is the data that you want to base your AI systems on. Uh, the other thing that I would say is preparing for the journey. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, oftentimes we see uh, enterprises uh, seeing a lot of surprises uh, as they start. You know, for example, there are many POCs that don't see the day, you know the light of the day because um, the the impact or the cultural change or the uh, you know the enablement of people who will be working on such systems is often not thought about. Uh, and the even costs are not, uh, you know, uh, properly understood uh, or risk mitigations, contingency planning to see how you govern such an AI system are, are not thought to enhance, you know, doing this as a tech first project, which is just a cool, shiny technology that has been used often remains in, in, in that very center as well, uh, rather than really bringing it to the business. So thinking and preparing for the journey. Uh, you know, you you should have and should look at you know how AI can change the business, but really breaking it down into uh, smaller blueprints with defined, very specific objectives and bring an ecosystem together to to really work on you know such a thing. The other thing that I would say is uh, to take a responsible uh, AI design, uh, which is to say that the ethics, trust, security, compliance, uh, privacy cannot be an afterthought. Uh, it needs to be baked in right at the front, even as you communicate, uh, you know, what AI is for your business, that you lay down some of those principles so all stakeholders know what it is uh, that AI is seeking to do for, for the business, how they can engage, and what are the fundamentals and the underpinnings of such a system that you would operate. Arslan Khan comes back on Twitter and he says... Organizations want to do something useful with AI, but still struggle with shadow IT. And so he wants to know how using AI affects the organizational culture and makes AI more of an enabler rather than an obstructor. And I think this gets to the dimension of culture and organizational change, Sunil, that you were alluding, alluding to earlier. Absolutely, and I think it's a shift in the way in which we view AI. Um, AI is not to displace, um, but essentially to amplify the, the potential. Um, IT, for example, and this is something that we have embraced at Infosys as well, uh, using AI to improve productivity in software engineering life cycles, in the way in which we test our systems or the systems that we build for our customers, how we ensure data standards or data privacy across all our projects and so on. There are multiple ways in which you would look at AI. And what this does is to shift the work value chain where humans and software engineers in this case would then shift to more complex, more value-adding activities. And you would have AI really amplify the productivity of people by uh, you know, uh, running many things uh, autonomously. Um, the same would happen on the business front as well. Uh, and, you know, we need to look at AI as a way to change or reimagine uh, the business processes or business functions or business models and uh, embrace this to design those new systems in the way in which we need to do. So I think the, the thing that I was saying earlier, AI for the sake of AI would not envisage all of this. And I think if we if we put the right foundation and, and envision the future, 
from a business lens perspective, I think it, it tends to uh, clearly communicate the purpose of that AI project and also bring the, uh, the various teams that need to come together, IT, business, uh, and find those champions who can then lead the way uh, to, to create those uh, systems at scale. As you talk with senior business leaders and with boards, to what extent do you think that there is an understanding of the complex impact that AI will have on their organization? Because even when you talk about AI amplifying the benefit rather than displacing humans, the reality is, is that there is going to be job displacement as well. So it's very complex. And and so, again, to what extent do boards and senior business leaders recognize the, the, the depth of complexity on their organizations? I think there is a great appreciation for the complexity that exists. But I think I would say that understanding that complexity and in in uh, you know what are the ways in which you could manage that complexity and turn this into a, a positive uh, you know cycle uh, is where the the effort and the and the focus uh, you know is shifting uh, and that's where we are helping our customers really understand how do you bring those aspects into the things for example you know we we take uh, uh, responsible AI design. Uh, you know, by design, for for example, that brings that thought process up front in the in the process, so that you are putting the right underpinnings for these systems as you build it, rather than letting it uh, be an afterthought that can be a nightmare for for the organization. And and similarly, when you are envisaging your business blueprints, uh, you know, the thought process on why you're doing it, and you know how you want to actually do this, how you're going to bring things together in order to uh, you know execute on this. Is a conversation that you know we we have upfront that prepares the the organization to then uh, run such systems at scale. And there are several examples of this. You know where we have uh, changed existing models, we have put new models in place uh, as well, bringing you know new processes and new entities together to to do things that were not done before. Uh, so let me take a few examples. A food and beverage uh, company. Uh, we help them build the AI core that help them uh, pivot to a, a more uh, off-store model uh, to serve their customers uh, and integrate digital partners seamlessly uh, while taking care of privacy and compliance and, and some of those other aspects. Uh, it, it became the, the core for the company whereby they were able to then plug in new partners as they evolved this model and, and very successfully uh, you know, continue to have that consumer loyalty and in fact built uh, new loyalties on the digital channels, uh, which was something that uh, you know they were able to take advantage of. Similarly, for a national uh, railroad company, they were envisaging uh, a new ecosystem that you know they, they they could create that would improve the yield and the throughput of the value chain. Uh, and this included not only uh, the other partners, the you know the first mid mile partners, uh, but also uh, their competitors uh, who could be part of this ecosystem whereby the entire industry is able to increase the throughput, uh, the economic throughput, uh, but also shift their position from being a commodity provider, which is capacity in this case, to a value-added player, right? Where you could look at the end-to-end business outcomes for their customers and be able to orchestrate it in a very complex web of uh, partners who can then dynamically, you know, come together uh, and so on. So there are 
number of examples uh, where we have delivered these uh, you know systems at scale uh, and have worked through the underpinnings of uh, making sure that you know we we are doing this right we are bringing those micro change management principles which allows uh, the organizations to scale this uh, and then bring the teams together uh, you know through through those learnings we have a really interesting question from LinkedIn. This is from Mike Prest, who is Chief Information Officer at a private equity investment group. And he says the following. He says, as new adversarial AI agents are introduced without ethical limitations to penetrate enterprise systems, Technology leaders often struggle in balancing optimization and innovation within their organizations. And here's his question. What would you say to leaders who are under pressure to develop AI and the consequences of acting too fast or too slow? And I would just add to that, as I speak with business leaders, one of the challenges they face, which I think is very much along these these lines, is... There's an expectation that they will make these investments, but yet it's a shifting, it's all a shifting ground. And so how do you, how do you, how do you invest in something that you know you need to invest in, but you don't know exactly what you're investing in because it's all changing? I'll take this in two parts. You know, one is uh, how do you balance the need for moving with speed, but also keeping that purpose and the responsible design uh, in consideration, uh, I think you know the the first thing is to be able to clearly articulate uh, you know what the vision is and what is it that you're trying to achieve, uh, and having that translate into a blueprint because that brings the appreciation for what the what are the design and ethical considerations that need to go into this. That would also make all the uh, teams involved in this ready for dealing with that particular challenge and hence not make decisions uh, that might not meet those considerations. So I think that articulation is very important. Um, the second is to look at not only addressing this uh, on a case-to-case -case basis with, with each uh, enterprise, with each project, but also to develop uh, not only standards that your projects can uh, look at, but also uh, you know building your platforms in ways that it has those underpinnings. In fact, uh, for one of the global retailers, uh, uh, we we looked at building a privacy-first data platform. And what that essentially did was that in this particular case, when they were engaging their partners, they were engaging various different projects, AI teams internally, each team did not have to, uh, you know, deal with the complexity uh, as in, you know, as if they were doing it for the first time. The lesson learned and the best practices were uh, best practices were baked into uh, the platform. So, for example, we used AI to discover uh, privacy-sensitive information, which was very useful for every AI project as they were coming out and and trying to leverage the data that existed there. Uh, we had automated workflows for privacy-sensitive information that was not properly masked, so it was not left to the decision of each project to see what should they be doing. The workflow has baked in rules and, and the actors to whom such an approval should go to. And that allowed the organization to kind of uh, scale this uh, while protecting the underpinnings that are so very important for doing this. And I think those things can meet the need for speed on the business side because they want to move faster, but you also have a way to ensure 
that you're not uh, you know, violating the privacy considerations or not meeting the compliance standards or, or the ethical standards. So those, those are a few considerations to uh, keep in mind uh, and, and work with uh, you know, partners that can you know, build an ecosystem uh, across people, process, and, uh, and technology. Now, you just spoke about the retention of lessons and incorporating lessons that are learned into new projects. And we have a question on exactly that topic from Twitter. Elizabeth Shaw asks, how do you take lessons learned from prior AI implementation engagements and use them to support support new client engagements? This is where this becomes uh, an evolving, uh, you know, practice. Um, there are there are a few ways in which uh, you know we do this. Uh, one is we maintain blueprints that are available to our practitioners globally, and this has all the uh, updated standards, best practices, you know, uh, the lesson learned uh, in these standards. But more importantly, we bring a community of practitioners together. Uh, wherein they share the learnings, they share uh, their experiences and, and look at ways in which they've dealt with some of those challenges. Uh, many of our customers look to understand, you know, how these things are taken care of. Obviously, the confidentiality of each project is maintained. Uh, it's only the ways in which uh, we are dealing with some of these challenges that get discussed in the community of uh, you know, practitioners. We bake this into our solutions. Uh, so any solution that is used by the practitioners globally have these standards, you know, baked in as well. Uh, and of course, you know, for for our customers, when we are engaging on these projects, we we lead with data strategists who are able to engage with the business stakeholders, the CXOs, uh, and envision the blueprint or the business potential. Like we say, the biggest problem to solve in this industry is to find the right problem to solve, and that's where our data strategists, you know, come in and they are uh, well versed with the standards and, uh, you know, the compliance laws. We guide many of our customers on privacy standards or, you know, looking at remediations that are necessary in their systems to operate, you know, such systems at scale. So when you're doing this, uh, you know, uh, any kind of such projects, uh, building that, uh, you know, ecosystem wherein you can push this into multiple vehicles that that your teams would use for implementing such projects become important. So best practices, industry or the standards document, putting this in their training systems so that anybody who's getting enabled on this is well aware of uh, uh, you know, those standards that need to be imbibed in, in the projects that they will execute and also uh, you know, making that available uh, through uh, our, you know, data privacy office or the uh, compliance office can, is also a very meaningful uh, way uh, so that people know who to go to uh, for getting that guidance. And this office can really take on the initiative to uh, make everybody aware, enable them, engage them, uh, become a resource when necessary to, to guide those teams as well. On the topic of teams, what would you say is the the team composition that an organization needs to look for? It's clearly a business first you know, approach uh, to this. Uh, where you're looking at uh, the business teams uh, really coming together along with the uh, IT or the technology teams uh, to deliver this. But there, like I was saying, the considerations of the responsible by design. Uh, so you would definitely have a play of uh, your uh, data privacy uh, leads 
your uh, compliance leads uh, you know can audit uh, the project or give uh, blueprints upfront for what the projects need to comply with uh, and similarly looking at the other considerations of data security etc to to bring those experts so it's a, it's essentially a, you know a tribe so to speak uh, that brings together these skills uh, and uh, in an agile fashion compose uh, these teams uh, to to address the skills required for delivering on that project and like I was saying earlier uh, it's it's a dynamic composition because you would take on uh, you know the business uh, you know needs in an agile fashion uh, and hence building that tribe wherein you're able to pool these resources and create the part necessary for for addressing on this so it's it's a uh, more of a you know a cross functional uh, team uh, you know that that you would have to work on our uh, on your AI projects we have a very interesting question again from Arsalan Khan and he says should given the emphasis on uh, AI systems today to what extent should organizations be focused on AI tools and projects as opposed to traditional business and digital transformation projects using traditional enterprise software? Over the past few years, we saw businesses embracing digital, uh, businesses embracing cloud. In fact, the the businesses that embrace cloud were able to respond to events like pandemic way better than those who did not. Um, so they've invested in cloud, they've invested in digital, and getting to AI is the very next logical step where you're able to then amplify uh, you know, the, the outcomes that you can get through this. So it's, it's kind of a continuum on, on that particular chain, uh, but it also leverages the investments that businesses have made in the digital and data uh, thus far. Uh, it, it then enables them to get quicker ROI through AI projects, uh, through AI initiatives. Uh, and that's you know very important consideration. Even as you look at uh, scaling the AI uh, initiatives to enterprise level, the underpinnings that you have in your digital and data would allow you to scale it at that level. A simple example is that uh, if you are using uh, generative AI, um, you know for uh, enabling uh, users or consumers to ask questions and get answers. Uh, you would want to uh, have the right level of authorizations built in. Uh, for example, uh, let's say I'm a non-finance person and I shouldn't be seeing you know, certain numbers. You want to make sure that the generative AI system does not give out the information that I'm not supposed to see. Uh, and those things are well baked in into the digital and data uh, foundations that most enterprises have uh, you know, laid. And that can be scaled to the newer systems as you're doing this. So I think this is a continuum that you build on, uh, it allows you to get ROI, quicker ROI on the investments that you already made, allows you to scale at the enterprise level and with the right uh, considerations put in place uh, of responsible uh, by design, you can operate with confidence uh, as well. So it's it's kind of uh, uh, an initiative, but there is a an aspect of experimentation that has to take place with AI. That's a very important, uh, you know, aspect of, uh, you know, how you uh, will figure or, or learn new opportunities that business can really take advantage of and how ready uh, or what kind of data uh, do you have, what kind of data quality you have to really solve some of those problems will come through the experimentation funnel. Uh, but when you're scaling it, it it's going to go back to you know some of the foundations that uh, have been put in place. So you're kind of getting from digital uh, cloud to, to now AI. 
that experimentation process are do you find that organizations uh, are having trouble with that or does it seem to go pretty smoothly for folks that are very process bound I would imagine that the is this experimentation is a, just a very different way of thinking the enterprises to think about setting up that experimentation ecosystem we guide our customers and we do uh, a number of engagements for, for our customers where we're thinking through uh, the experimentation that is not wasteful, but is productive. Uh, and there is a way to think about it. Uh, how do you funnel ideas into the experimentation zone? Uh, there are ways to do this, you, you know, through design thinking on one side where you're exploring with business what problems can be solved and in what ways can that be solved. You could use data to nudge and recommend what areas you could look at. You know, for example, data could tell you a trade promotion of certain kind could improve, you know, the sales for, for other teams and could become the idea for you to experiment on. Or it could be the business teams coming out with newer ideas that they would like to look at because they are hearing those problems in the field or they are experiencing certain bottlenecks in which, uh, you know, the business is experiencing, you know, problems. Um, but how do you then run this through the idea funnel to scenario, certain things you could simulate to better understand those things, convert those into real POCs and, uh, you know, the, the small experimentation projects, but really putting those measure uh, measurements in place whereby you are able to evaluate what the experimentation is telling the business in terms of what it can get, and then connecting that into, you know, how you can scale successful ideas. Uh, when when they need to be pushed to that. But more importantly, also feeding those experimentations back into the funnel so that next time when the business is looking to do an experiment that has already been conducted by somebody else, one could discover that and use that to then see whether there is a need to do this. So I think there is a, uh, a clear uh, experimentation design that one could adopt, making sure that the, the whole experimentation cycle is serving the need to innovate at speed but also gives you uh, the basis on which you could, you know, scale those uh, those ideas and make this a very productive cycle uh, for yourself. With that, I have to say a huge thank you to Sunil Senan from Infosys for taking the time to be with us. Sunil, thank you for being here. I really, really appreciate your your time and your expertise. Thank you so much for having me on your show, and it was great. Uh, Talking with you. And thank you to everybody who watched, and especially to those folks who asked such great questions. I always say this, but you guys are an amazing audience. You're so smart, and we love your questions, and they add so much to CXO Talk. Now, before you go, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button. It's at the bottom of our website. Check out CXOTalk.com. We really have great shows coming up and we'll see you again next time. Thanks so much, everybody, and have a great day.